Welcome to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere with your host, Chris Parker. And hello and welcome back to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere. And I have Nick van Breda here, um, also in the Netherlands and actually in the same city as I am. Um, we met not too long ago through a couple different channels and then participated in uh, the world's largest streaming event not long ago. And he is the country manager in the Netherlands for that event. And I'll let him say, talk all about that. So Nick, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for being here. And, and could you please you know, tell people, what are you busy with? What do you do? And, and why do you do what you do? So why do I do what I do and what do I do? Uh, I do a lot of things regarding yeah. helping young people become entrepreneurs. I, I try to uplift people and their entrepreneurship skills to turn their ideas into their jobs. And from that point, I coach them. So I normally quite busy in coaching people through entrepreneurship courses, as I might say, but these entrepreneurship courses are in in unconventional formats so unconventional events as i call it i organize these um hackathons designathons creatons you can name it events where you create stuff yeah, solutions for problems or festivals more innovation related or startup related festivals where i can give a lot of people a stage and that's um, what i did this year um i was actually planning a huge event for youth uh, under the age of 21, so um, secondary school students and um, beginning university uh, students. I was planning that to be happening at the 5th of June. It's called a Young Impact Day. It would be the first national day for youth to make impact. I was working towards that for almost two years. And uh, thanks to COVID, <laughs> that, that the whole party blew off. So we had to cancel it. Uh, as, and it was part of the school program. It was part of their... Uh, subject Burgerschap in the Netherlands. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's about the role in society that you will have in the future. It's now a subject in schools. Um, mm -hmm. It was all towards giving students and young people some experiences uh, of helping someone else. Yeah, and I think Burgerschap is citizenship, I think. Yeah, you can yeah. call it citizenship, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that subject is now a big topic in, in secondary schools, which gives me a lot of space to use that as a creative space to, in, uh, to impact students with. So they are not predefined courses. So it's not like a fixed curriculum that you normally see in the whole education industry, uh, primary and secondary schools, most of all. Um, but this, this, new, um, this, this new part of education, this new curricula part is now uh, being used um, by external event organizers like me to help you, yeah, youth, to make an impact on society. So for example, on sustainable development goals. Yeah. Uh, most, of, most of the time you combine these sustainable development goals with, um, with challenges, challenges by influencers, for example, Rico Verhoeven. He is uh, an ambassador of the Young Impact uh, celebration as it used to be in the previous years, like two hour celebration for, for youngsters that, that did something great on the youngimpact.nl platform. Um, but yeah, in the end, we had to cancel it because we couldn't organize this event for 10,000 people mm. in person. No. So, so I was preparing yeah. that <laughs> for 10,000 so, people. We had buses and everything arranged, but we had to cancel 
Mm. Oh. Disappointment. So, uh, Nick, so Nick, why? Because um, knowing you for a couple of months, you are so busy with these hackathons and outreach and youth and creativity and, and trying new things. Um, you seem to have an endless amount of inspiration, what energy for this? What, what is it yeah. that motivates you to, um, to just keep going with these things? You know, cause it, it's not, obviously yeah. it's fun for you, but there, I, I feel there's something deeper going on here. Definitely. It has, it has to do with my youth itself. I, uh, I was quite depressed. I was quite lonely when I was young. I was bullied as well in my first years of, uh, secondary school. And, um, that bullying turned into uh, me hiding myself behind a computer for most of my time in my youth. So I was playing video games for uh, for over eight hours a day. Uh, it, it became really uh, a big addiction. Um, when I was like 13, 14 year old until I was 18, I was like super addicted to one specific video game called RuneScape. Um, I played that over 10,000 hours mm. uh, before I was able to... Um, to shift my life and that life shift my personal shift happened when i was 19 after like this roller coaster effect of people in my family dying after each other mm. like in three years my my uncle died uh, um, my cousin died um, uh, a nephew died suicided uh, there was another um, uh, uh, uncle that died from cancer and, and this uncle, the specific uncle, uh, called Jan, he, um, he was helping us in our renovation in the house of my parents. And I saw him every weekend. I saw him helping wherever he could. He was like, he could do anything. You could just ask him and he was like, oh, I know some ideas for this. I, I know mm -hmm. I can help somewhere and mm -hmm. I will just do it. So I really liked his mentality of, of being uh, active and being productive in any situation. So he was a, like an inspirational person for me so sounds, while I was- Sounds a, a bit of a hacker, it sounds like. like a, like a he, Yeah, he looked like a hacker, but mostly in physical yeah. and technical stuff. Yeah. And I was really not technical at all. I was, I, I had a lot of fun with technology and gadgets, but I, I had two left hands. So I couldn't do what he was mm. doing. So I felt like a misfit back in the days. I, I, I really felt I, I'm, not, I'm worthless in this kind of situations, I'm worthless in, in building stuff and in, in creating stuff. Um, I'm, I'm useless for the outside world. Uh, and, and it, it turned out that I was so addicted to gaming that I only felt useful in that game to the community, to the clans that I was, I was managing. I was oh, wow. like a community manager. So I was, very I was getting very depressed uh, with that mindset. Um, and, uh, and then a lot of people died in, in my family and that um, the moment I was, um, I was thinking of, okay, what should I do? Um, was already a moment where I already thought of committing suicide. Um, but the, the death of my nephew that committed suicide prevented me myself to, to try to do that as well. Mm -hmm. On his funeral, I saw how many people he, he, he created sorrow to over 700 people. Yeah, 700 people were there asking why, why did he commit suicide? And that was for, for me like a reason to come on. I don't want to hurt anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so I, I take that idea out of my head, but I don't know what to do else. 
So it was still a struggle of figuring out what my purpose and what my meaning to the world could be. And then I was, um, then when I was 19, then my uncle um, uh, sold his uh, the farm of his uh, that he took over from his parents. He sold the farm. He built his own house, and then he got sick. Very soon after his retirement, he got sick. He got cancer, hmm. and he couldn't walk his own stairs anymore. But he was the old in the family of eleven. My my father has a family of eleven hmm. bro- brothers and sisters. Um, so he felt like he was the father of the family, and out of a sudden he couldn't help someone else anymore. So he had this identity crisis out of a sudden because he he was terribly sick, and and people would uh, needed to help him, but he was not open for help. Hmm. <laughs> so he was like very well. The relationship in the family t- changed upside down, and like he was so um, ignorant to help that. Um, that what happened is that um, that he was fighting the disease on his own with his wife, um, but it got worse and worse. It spread it all over his body. And within three months, he was taken into a hospital uh, just before New Year's Eve. And we, we were all already saying to each other, like, I think we probably won't have a, a very nice New Year. I think he's going to pass away yeah. in these days. And what happened is actually something different. Um, he fell asleep. They called his uh, children to come over to the hospital. They already said, like, okay, maybe it's going to be, he's not going to wake up anymore. But he, w- he woke up. And what he said is, he was extremely happy. He said, I saw something so amazing. I saw a white light with my daughter and son with a hand on my shoulder saying, You have done enough. You've done enough, Dad. You can go now. Hmm. And that was the moment that he that he told that the rest of the family. Like I saw this beautiful, like white light, and I'm okay. I'm okay to die. Out of a sudden, he was not struggling to fight anymore against his disease, and he was okay with passing away. And that was that happened a few months later. But that point, um, when he told that to the family, and so I had a deja vu. Because I, when I was nine, I was hit by a truck. I was driven, literally driven, driven over by a truck. Oh, and yeah. my body, it drove over my leg and the bike was, yeah, it was in, stuck in the mud. My bike was like flipped into two pieces and I was in between it. So he drove over my body and just at the moment he hit my stomach, it drove back. Hmm. And I had, the same, uh, I had the same white light moment that he had in this sleep, in this deep sleep, like your soul out of your body moment. Mm-hmm. And I had that feeling like, okay, for me, there was no white light with an open door saying you have to go now. So I woke up like a few seconds later with a lot of adrenaline. The truck was uh, back and he was like sh- shouting and, and doing a lot of things like, what did I do and all of that. Um, but I survived. I only had a broken leg. Mm. Uh, with a lot of luck and and I just I just realized like okay there is something like fate over here he had a signal that he could go and he loved to go mm-hmm. and I had no signal whatsoever and I got a lot of energy I got a lot of adrenaline I didn't mm-hmm. feel any pain anymore I felt like god I was there with a broken leg and I didn't feel any pain and um that moment re- I realized that okay if you do something for society and you've done enough 
you could die in peace hmm. on a beautiful moment. So I realized that I haven't done enough for society. I have, mm -hmm. I had, well, it was not the time for me yet. Fate didn't say that I had to go, so I should stay alive. So there must be something, there must be some purpose in there that I should pursue. Uh, I don't know yet mm. what it is, but at the moment that my funeral of my uncle happened, his son preached, my dad did a job that he hated. He took over the company from his dad. It was something that was like forced. He lived with the idea to become mm. an inventor for over 50 years. He retired and he had to die. And I feel so sorry for him. And I felt exactly the same as my nephew said, like, he was doing a job that he didn't enjoy for his whole life, retired and then died. How many other people have the same situation? So I started, I, I, I started realizing, okay, this is something I, I never want to see happen anymore. And I put my hand on his, on his uh, coffin and I said, the dream of becoming an inventor, I'm going to realize for you. Hmm. So that was my turning point. At that moment, I, I quit gaming already from that effect of the light, eh? like that white light, I quit in January, like the 1st of January. And then I knew what my purpose was out of a sudden. I had to do something um, to take on the mission of take on the purpose of my uncle to become an inventor. And that was already a goal that I could do anything with. Mm -hmm. So I started doing challenges online. I started organizing events to host challenges for others, for the community. And I started to organize hackathons. And sooner or later, with my final internship at the Abers, uh, I organized Campus Party as my mm -hmm. final internship. Oh, wow, okay. And Campus Party was such a big event, physically with 10,000 people in, uh, in there, in the Abers in Utrecht, that um, I turned that out into a job. So my final internship turned my hackathon organizing into a job. So out of a sudden people were asking me, Nick, please can you organize it for our organization or can you organize it for our school? Or can I organize? Yeah. And that turned into a job. So I created my own job. That's my invention. And uh, my invention nice. now is that I turned that into a recipe. Like, okay, you could do whatever you want, but I can make sure that you can turn your ideas into your job. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I've, I've, I'm speaking a lot on stages about the future of work and technology and all that because that fascinates me all the time. Um, it's still something in me and my game addiction is still something that it's part of me, mm -hmm. but the game addiction is now a serious game addiction. So it always has a positive effect on my surrounding. So it's not just for myself because I realized I'm doing a lot of fun stuff in my game it actually doesn't boost my self-esteem it doesn't boost my my skills because I'm not practicing and and I'm, I'm not putting that uh, into a place into a impactful environment so I decided that I had to do something that gives me excitement like my uncle never had and and do something for society like my uncle always did mm -hmm. that's that's the purpose of having a beautiful life these two things and that's what i want to train and that's what i started training in these hackathons designing a design thinking methodology wow. around yeah. hackathons that we now use wow in, in uh 
incredible story. Um, incredible story and incredible that you're that you are able to share it like this. So thank you so much. Um, if we if we loop back and try to help people understand what is what is this formula for these hackathons and these creativity events and 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 mm -hmm. who are the customers? Meaning, because I guess there's some sort of sponsor or organizing customer yeah. as well as the participant customer. So, so who, who, mm -hmm. who is this for, you know, who are the perfect sponsors or organizers and, and, and perfect participants and, and, and what is it you create with those people? So the goal is for myself is to train youth in turning their ideas into their job um, by getting ideas, having an idea yourself doesn't mean it also, also is impacting others. So I try to find a match between a company problem, a school problem, ministry problem or a municipality problem. A municipality and ministry problems are very related to sustainable development goals. Mm -hmm. Company problems are related to other stuff like recruitment, marketing, branding problems, uh, learning and development problems like onboarding, training programs, or R&D. So research and development product and service innovation. So the, the companies are always sponsoring one of the events from these different parts in their organization. Uh, a a municipality, municipality is sponsoring for their governance. So they say, we want to have a strategy for the teacher shortage, for example. Uh, we want to have a strategy for loneliness. We want to have a solution like products for um, uh, um, behavioral problems in, in primary schools, for example. Yeah. So it's different so it's funding comes from other municipalities or companies um, and then there are these goals uh, recruitment goals marketing goals product development goals and uh, learning and development goals every every hackathon or every designathon or every event i fully focus on learning and development as a core uh, benefit so you are trained into becoming an innovator mm -hmm. we train in we train innovators we are not always training to have innovations. So we train a mindset, we train a way of working, we train collaboration skills, 21st century skills, digital literacy, using technology, quick prototyping, uh, communicating with different generations, because I always want to have a very diverse group of people mm -hmm. that are collaborating from diverse backgrounds, uh, ages, ethnicities, whatever. Uh, man and, uh, and female so diversity is key in the success of learning and development uh, but also key in the success of becoming an innovator mm -hmm. because then you know how to facilitate innovation with whoever you're going to work together with yeah in the future so these are the the things that they we always deliver and then it's up to their goals up to their targets to streamline it and then it's also for students or participants, it can be anyone, uh, whether you're all young or old, it's easier for me to reach students because I am not that old that I still have a lot of relationships with schools, mm -hmm. secondary schools, uh, like my old secondary schools, but also uh, vocational studies and universities. I can reach out to them and ask like, okay, do you want to have a classroom participating in this hackathon? Mm -hmm. And they will say, yeah, that would be great. We are doing something for society. And that makes that I'm doing a lot with education. So I call my brand Education Hackathon. And my core mm. is that I offer them like educational experience and the outcomes can be anything. 
So I do that for healthcare, like hospitals, innovate for them. I do that for banking. I do that for uh, insurance companies. Mm. I do that for municipalities. Uh, now I'm, I'm organizing one for the Bridge Foundation. Bridge so Foundation, like is in playing bridge or building bridges? Yeah. Playing bridge. Okay. So the card game bridge yeah. is, is, a, is a professional sport as well. Yeah. We have World Cups and all of that. And they have a, they have a problem in aging. So their problem is the sport is aging. Mm-hmm. If we keep on moving forward like this, our average age of the sport will be 80 in 2030. Wow. That, that means that 80% of their uh, current members will be dying, will be dead. Yeah. Um, so 100,000, 114,000 members, yeah. they will be dying in the next 10 years yeah. because their average age is already 72. So they have a problem with, um, yeah, they have a campaign problem. They have a technology and innovation problem. And the sport itself hasn't, hasn't been innovated in the last 100 years. Yeah. They, they have um, uh, a problem reaching out to youth, students. There are different problems, uh, image, identity, media, marketing, mm. innovation, technology, all of these things. And now we are defining four key problems that we are going to have on the 8th, 28th of November if COVID allows us to organize mm-hmm. in person because we want to have 100-year-old bridge players in a team with 10-year-old kids. Oh, wow. Cool. To come up with solutions. Yeah. So that's a really cool event that I'm now organizing. Outstanding. And when, um, whenever you have a link for that, then... then let me know. And of course we can share it around and put it in the, uh, um, the, the podcast uh, episode page. So on, on that, that one, did, did, yeah. did the bridge society or foundation federation mm-hmm. find you to do this or, or, or how do you grow your business? Cause this is a, it's, yeah, it sounds it's a completely like, different network. Yeah. It's, it sounds like you need not only the organization, but the, the person in the buyer, the individual in the organization who yeah, the director. is willing to take a, by some definition, non-traditional approach mm-hmm. um, with some risk um, and, and you know, m- make some investment on this, but then you know, the potential new ideas and innovation and, and connections could be uh, yeah. you know, really, really you know, magnified. So um, yeah, what we figured out is that, um, that the problems behind the problems that we that they are facing are very deep problems like inclusivity in this sport it's a wide man club or a white female club they have more female members but it's just white people so we figured out that there are a lot of different problems that are preventing the cult the culture to emerge into a sport that is good in cities for example where there's a lot of diversity of people yeah. So the clubs itself remain the same. Dude, yeah, dude, that this was never uh, an agenda point. It was never an agenda point, so we never mm. thought of it. So now we already figure out that problems behind the problems that, we, that they are facing are very interesting challenges to have innovations on. So we are trying to get people from youth, um, uh, what do you call it, youth jail. We are inviting people out of youth jail to participate. So youth jail, I mean like, um, like a juvenile hall type um, prison for kids. Prison for kids, yeah. We yeah. are inviting people that have been to jail uh, from like 18 year old to participate in this design And that would bring in the image question, 
the image identity question would bring so much new ideas, uh, like so much new ideas, because this group of people of 60 plus year old, they have a tremendous amount of network. Yeah. And people that are coming out of jail, they have a hard time finding a job yeah. and landing an internship or going back to studies. Um, so th this could be a bridge already, like bridge. Yeah. <laughs> the game would be a bridge for, for something like inclusivity. Oh, how poetic so would that be? Great. Amazing, yeah. yeah, amazing challenges that have a very big society impact. Not just that game will be impacted, but it can have a society impact as well. Yeah. And the, like, what, the, the, what, the one who sponsors, yeah, this, the participant doesn't have to pay anything. So yeah. the person that thinks along like 12, year, 12 hours in a row, it's a designathon, 12 hours. They won't, they won't pay. We have like a butler service to them. Food, drinks, prices. Yeah. The process, everything is, is sponsored for them. Well, amazing. So, and um, is it at nickvanbreda.com? is where people can find more about this approach? Yeah, uh, specifically yeah. about the events and the, the unconventional events that I mentioned. Yeah. You can go to nickfromida.com slash hackathons. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. it's hard to, uh, to, to write. It's H-A-C-K-A-T-H-O-N. And yeah, you I will find the page. I uh, will add that link as well to the, to the page so people can find it. And in, as you know, in my network, which is um, much more corporate and organization at uh, being, you know, probably 10 or more years older than you. Um, so if people are out there um, with their organization, you know, bank, medical, manufacturing, mm -hmm. and they're looking to have a uh, probably not hugely expensive, but, but you, know, you know, still a premium experience to bring mm -hmm. a community together to ideate, design, and, and co-create, you know, I think it's incredible. So, yeah, um, so it's a creative approach to innovation. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's an outside-in approach to innovation, where in this design tool, we have 40% of the participants that will come out of the association, and 60% are nowhere related to the sport. Yeah. They might not even know that the sport exists. Yeah. Um, so that blend is outside in innovation, but uh, you no, can you yeah. can do it as an internal activity as well for, with your own yeah. personnel. Well, I have a ten and eleven year old who like chess, um, so may maybe in November we should get them in included because we're both in the same city as well. I'm not sure where this is happening, but um, somewhere so around Utrecht, it's somewhere forty kilometers away from Utrecht. Yeah. Right. So it so sounds like you're a bit of a um, an entrepreneurial virus. Because this podcast is everyday entrepreneurs everywhere, and it sounds like your mission is to create everyday entrepreneurs everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, I would love that. So yeah. if, if they become, if people out of such a hackathon become independent entrepreneurs, like mm -hmm. they would, they know how the structure works of a business plan. They know how to make a business model. Mm -hmm. They know how to pitch. They know how to create an idea with a group, and they know how to work together with different generations and different groups of yeah. people. These basic skills are all elementary skills for, for setting up a business. Um, so yeah. that's, it's a pressure cook of a day or sometimes two days or a week um, that would help them become more independent in their own ent entrepreneurial journey. Beautiful. And um, as we were mentioning before we started recording, I'm, I'm planning um, a, a, a sort of a theme on, on youth entrepreneurs. And so at that mm -hmm. time, I'd love to, to connect and, 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 and based on that, um, is there a, you know, in the years that you've been doing this, 
a specific highlight of of a a win or a success or an achievement that when you look back you go you know what uncle i'd be you know you'd be proud i you know i helped that happen yeah there are so many outcomes with every hackathon if you have like 100 participants and you have like 20 teams coming up with 20 different innovative products or services um, it's hard to follow up on all of them but what I really liked is the outcomes in education because I really feel that education should be more gamified and more um, preparing you for, for your future job and preferably uh, create a job yourself. So you create mm -hmm. a new job, disrupt an industry. That would be amazing. So the outcomes in education I like a lot. There was a challenge around the bio clock. So, okay, we have students in their puberty in the secondary schools. And uh, the classes start at 8.30 and they end at 4 or 3.30 in the afternoon. Uh, is, this, is this really equality that we can offer to the students? Um, and the research said no. The research said if you let morning people, like in the bio clock, morning people, afternoon people, and evening people, if you, if you let them do their exams in the morning, then there is a 0 0.4 difference in grade. Mm. Uh, so they will have a lower grade, a 0 0.4 lower grade than the morning persons, like the afternoon or the evening person. So that's, that's not at all inclusivity or equality. Yeah. And there was, there was a group of students, 16-year-olds um, doing like secondary school, and they, um, we had a hackathon around this problem. We had EEG sensors and all of that. And they came out to have developed a test where you can measure yourself within a day if you are a morning, an afternoon, or an evening person. Mm. Um, but after doing a survey in a school in Groningen, they figured out that yeah, they did a survey with 1,500 students. <laughs> they figured out that people could actually assume what type of person they are themselves at a very high precision rate. So like yeah. 80. 85 percent were yeah. we're right so what they did there is they changed the system of doing exams in that school wow and now that school has exams at 1 p.m they only have two exams maximum a day they they give the morning persons and the evening persons the equal opportunity to to have the same grade mm. so it has turned into a system change of a whole school Incredible. And if there's, um, um, sadly, we need to, to, to wrap up, but if there's any articles or something about that um, in Dutch or English, then, then please there's let me know. There's a TED Talk about this, yeah. actually. She gave a TED Talk in Groningen about this. Yeah, so, so I would definitely uh, link that up. That's that. one of the solutions, but um, yeah. there are many, like the 24 skills, mm. like frameworks for secondary and primary schools that are now being implemented. Um, there are startups uh, like automating mm. creating like automating the watching the exam part reducing mm. the amount of hours spent on administrative tasks for teachers by by over 10 hours a month in mm. in checking exams there are remote exam platforms now skyrocketing in COVID time yeah these kind of things are all coming out of hackathons uh, in education uh, and, and they were yeah. they were in my first education hackathons, uh, and I'm now scaling up to change the whole education industry. So yeah. I'm very glad with that. 
already. No, in, um, in, incredible. Nick. So, yeah, if you can give me the uh, the link to the TED Talk and anything else, I'll put that in the tip section of the of the uh, of, of the podcast page. And, and the the podcast page is at ebullient.com slash podcast slash Nick Van Breda. And mm-hmm. uh, Nick's website is nickvanbreda.com slash hackathon mm-hmm. and specific about what we're going on, you know, talking about here. Um, so Nick, thank you so much. I, you know, you are, I think, not only an, an, an inventor, an innovator, but you are a, a creator of innovators. And um, yeah, I, 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 from what I hear from this very touching story, I, I believe you're your uncle and your family, and you should be proud of what you're doing. So thank you for joining. Thank you for sharing. And if there are any organizations out there that need to connect to the community to innovate and move forward and help create you know, innovative youth, then please reach out to Nick. So Nick, thank you so much. Yeah, it would be, yeah, it would be great to talk to, uh, to a lot of people. And uh, if with the shift in COVID, people are switching for ways to innovate in their media way, like VR and AR, I had to reinvent my event organizing way to mm. online. So if they need any help in that, I would happily give them like a toolkit for, okay, these are the platforms out there that you can start using for organizing hybrid events, online events to at cool. least offer people an alternative to what they have used yeah. to organize physically. Yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. So uh, cool. Nick, thank you so much. You're welcome. And mm. uh Love to uh, to see more of your uh, podcast, Chris. So uh, I'm I'm happy to have had you also in uh, as a part of Campus Party Digital this year. Mm-hmm. So glad to be in your show now. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Nick. Learn more at ebullient.com/podcast. <laughs>